Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Our guest Today's guest is President of Wildcat Management, Tanya Reagan. Tanya is an entrepreneur, activist, and leader of the movement to redevelop downtown Dallas, Texas. In addition to commercial real estate, Tanya has a wide-ranging and highly successful background in the energy industry as well as venture capital. She has played an integral role in developing large real estate projects and properties all across the U.S., And as a resident of Dallas, Texas for many years now, her focus has become the revitalization of downtown Dallas's historic West End neighborhood. She was named the Business Journal's 2019 Top Commercial Real Estate Influencer. Not only is Tanya a powerful and influential woman doing great things for her community, but she has made it her goal to help promote women in real estate and construction in her projects. Welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast, Tanya. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm so glad you're able to be here with us today. I am really excited to learn more about your projects, everything you're doing in Dallas, Texas, and all around the country. Um, But you've got a background in several areas, energy, finance, and real estate. What attracted you to commercial real estate and construction? Is that something you always wanted to do? I would say no. (laughs) Uh, You know, something I learned early on is when you have a certain skill set, you never know where that is going to take you exactly. And, you know, I started outside of college in corporate America. I actually started out in fashion and retail. And, you know, 20 years later, I'm in construction and real estate. Who mm-hmm. would have thought, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> well, right now you're working on a $15 million redevelopment of the Purse Building in Dallas. Can you tell us about that building and why redeveloping it will help downtown Dallas? So about 2011, I was extremely involved on the southeastern side of downtown in another neighborhood called the Farmer's Market District also a neighborhood with a tremendous amount of history. And when I was involved on that side of town, I had the opportunity to save the largest commercial building in downtown Dallas that we actually relocated brick by brick from eight blocks away to the historic farmer's market. And it really really created an interest for me in historic preservation. I had been very, very involved with the revitalization of that neighborhood, with reviving that history, uh, working with both the city through a public-private partnership to save this building that was in the uh, path of destruction. Mm. And it just it just brought a high level of interest to me on historic preservation. So you flash forward several years and, you know, I learn of an opportunity of another building that had been vacant for decades, um, a building with, 
you know, some challenges, which a lot of these old buildings have. It is, it was located in the heart of downtown at an entry point to the oldest historic district in downtown Dallas called the West End that, you know, was, was, was also ready and prime for a um, revival. And, you know, I crossed paths with this building and thought, you know what, I'm the fourth owner in 10 years. Nobody's been able to get it done. I'm going to take a stab at it. So around 2000 and late 2018, we began the rehabilitation efforts to um, to rehabilitate and, and revive this building that is at the entry point to the Dallas West End. And how has it been? How has the project been? Is it going smoothly? Well, you know, <laughs> timing, right? Timing. Yes. You know, our, our timing wasn't the best when we... Um, you know, when we when we brought completed the project's first phase, it was late 2019, mm-hmm. and you know, going into 2020, we were on top of the world. I mean, things couldn't have been going better. And as you know, right, right. pandemic hit. So, you know, we're in the process now of of it's it's do over time. So all those things that we prepped and that we pushed and we marketed and we ramped up in early 2020, we're essentially doing over. Uh, now in 2021, you know, if there's any silver lining through all of that is we've had the time to really understand our user better. We've had the time to understand the neighborhood better. Um, As a stakeholder group made up of multiple uh, building owners, property owners, developers, business owners, we've been able to reorganize that neighborhood and really come out, I think, more organized and, and even stronger than we were pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of silver linings. It's just taken a little long than longer than I had anticipated. Yeah. <laughs> as is construction. Okay. And the price of lumber, as we hear from many of our guests. <laughs> oh, yes. It's like, you know, all those things that you thought that you had uh, fine-tuned, well, we just get to do it all over again. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, the, the, the neighborhood that you're building in um, is a neighborhood that is undergoing sort of a revitalization. Is that correct? That is correct. Can you yes. talk about a little bit about, you know, what what that means for the project and how you approach responsible development and stewardship? So something that I'm really proud about with Wildcat Management is we take a very, very active role, not only with our, you know, not only with our redevelopment projects, but we we take a very active role in the communities that we invest in. Mm-hmm. Um, in January of 2021, I became the chairman of the West End Association, which is a business organization made up of property owners, uh, real estate folks, businesses, and the whole goal of that organization is the revitalization and the positive economic development of that district. Uh, We have an operating budget of around 350,000 that goes towards public safety. We have a on-site dedicated public safety program. Uh, It goes towards marketing and it goes towards efforts that highlight the neighborhood in a positive way. Um, You know, this project in particular is at the entryway to this neighborhood that is located in our central business district, right in the heart of downtown Dallas. you know, a challenge with some of these buildings that you find in these 
historic districts or buildings that have sat vacant or empty for a long period of time is it can be extremely difficult to make the economics work. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, these old buildings are what bring uh, character to our neighborhoods. They are what bring uh, fabric and um, interest character. Um, I like to say original character, right? Natural character. But there's something that off that is offered to these neighborhoods in our urban core that you can't find in some of the suburbs or some of these new new developments. So, you know, a lot of the young people and folks that moved to our downtown and who have moved to our downtown in the last decade, what brings them downtown is the you know, is the, not only the diversity, but also all of the charm. And, uh, you know, when you walk down our streets, you see our history, you see some of these old buildings, you see, um, you know, you see a lot of unique uh, character in our downtown. This particular building, what drew me to it was one, it had been empty for decades Two, it is a national landmark and is actually on both the historical registry, but also a local landmark. Um, you know, I felt that, you know, where it was located for the entry to the neighborhood was, was very, very important to see it uh, rehabbed as a point of contact for the, uh, you know, for the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's just something that, I got really, really excited about being able to have that opportunity to be in, uh, involved with a project like this. These type of projects, they just, um, they don't come along very often. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about building a new building. It's you're really investing in the history and investing in the community itself. Yeah. You know, what makes our downtown special and what makes these different neighborhoods um, what makes people want to live in these neighborhoods is their character, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, what people don't sometimes think of when you are downtown or in an urban environment like our downtown Dallas, we actually have a lot of different subdistricts. And each one of those little neighborhoods of, this, of the downtown have their very own uh, unique character. They have their own language, love language, I like to say. You know, they have their own um, vibe. They have their own culture. Yeah. And whether you're on the southeastern side of town where the farmer's market is located or the, you know, western side of town town where the West End is located, you know, they have their very, very own unique character. And I think what's so special about a neighborhood like the West End is, number one, it's incredible history, right? It's our, you know, it's our oldest district in downtown Dallas. Uh, you walk through, you see the cobblestone streets, you see the old brick buildings, you you know, you feel like you've went back in time, but in the same respect, you've got a, you know, you've got a neighborhood fabric where you have, you know, local businesses that have been there for 30 plus years, restaurants, bars, you have a booming new uh, office environment where ironically, this area of town has also become our innovation area of our city. So you have this really interesting balance of, mm -hmm. you know, this old historical buildings and charm utilized with innovation and technology. You know, we just in the last month opened in our neighborhood a smart park. We opened West End mm -hmm. Square, which is the first 
innovation smart park in our city and one of the first in, you know, in North Texas. So, you know, projects like that where it's interesting, you have this, you know, you sort of have this balance of um, startups, technology, creatives, innovative folks that, you know, want to be in these industrial historic type areas. So interesting. And I was reading that in your building, in the, in the Purse building, there is a mural of Jane Jacobs and a quote. And the quote is, new ideas need old buildings. So I would love for you to tell us who is Jane Jacobs, why she's important to you. And I think we understand the quote because you just talked a little bit about it. But if you want to say anything else about that, that would be interesting to us. So Jane Jacobs was a very well-known urban pioneer. And Jane really advocated for not only maintaining and saving old buildings, but she also believed in the importance of keeping the diversification within neighborhoods Mm. and, um, you know, keeping the fabric of what made neighborhoods special. And, you know, 10, 15 years ago, when I started this journey, right, of investing in downtown Dallas, um, buying buildings, buying real estate, getting involved with the community, and really taking an active role in the revitalization of downtown Dallas, Mm -hmm. you know, early on, there was a lot of tongue-in-cheek of, you know, who who does Tanya think she is, right? Is she trying to be Jane Jacobs? I mean, who does she think she is, right? Uh, You know, this young woman that had entered this market. I'm a northerner, right? I'm a a transplant. Dallas is home now. I consider this my home, but, you know, I'm I'm not from here. Um, Relocated here, getting involved, you know, moving here like so many other transplants. Most of our downtown is made up of young people that are from someplace else. That's Mm -hmm. what makes you know, our urban core so diverse. But, you know, early on, I got the, you know, where'd this person come from? Who does she think she is? Flash forward 15 years, I certainly have a lot more experience, credibility, history under my belt. And when I took on this project, the Historic Purse Building, it just had such a feminine feel to me. And, you know, being the first woman to own this building, um, one of very, very few female developers and or working in construction in, in our in our market, I really felt inspired by Jane Jacobs. I went back and I read her book again. I gave it to a lot of the women who work in my office. They read it. And, you know, I just kind of felt inspired um, by her for this project. So we decided to paint this big mural in our showroom. And what's interesting about our showroom is it actually faces one of the busiest streets in downtown Dallas, uh, both pedestrian and vehicle traffic. So mind you, this building had been boarded up for decades. Flash forward, now you have this huge woman, <laughs> Jane Jacobs, uh, painted on our wall. You can't miss her from the street. And just to kind of add a little more flair, we took her famous quote, new ideas needle buildings, and we produced a big neon sign that we put above her mural. So it's, it's pretty visible, yeah. but um, what's, what's so interesting is that 
mural and that sign and even the way that showroom looks has become so connected to that project that you can see that picture just about anywhere and people now recognize the location and recognize where it's from. So that was sort of the, that was sort of the vision and how it unfolded. I love that. Oh, I have to take a look at that. We'll have to post a picture for our audience so they can. Oh, I would love that. They can see it. Well, you've made waves in Dallas. Uh, According to the Dallas Morning News, they said you are navigating the downtown Dallas Boys Club of real estate developers. So we talked a little bit about how, uh, you know, there aren't very many women in in Dallas in the real estate, commercial real estate industry. Um, I, I can't wait until we can look back at you know, and laugh at this as not a thing anymore, but I guess it still is. There's an old boys club. So how did you really break into this world and how has it been for you? You know, it's interesting. Sometimes I just feel like I go in, like you go in cycles, right? Mm-hmm. You know, depending on where I'm at with different projects, where I'm at with, um, you know, wh- where I'm at with, you know, whether it's real estate or the venture capital or where we are in our cycle, I feel like I get very, very reflective and have different, you know, different um, opinions or different personal experiences at that moment. Um, I know exactly the article that you're referring to. The Dallas Morning News did a profile about a year ago uh, talking about, you know, the real estate and my role in um, downtown Dallas um, being one of very, very few women, um, in, in, in this market. Um, you know, I would say that at the time of that article, you know, we were coming out of just completing the, you know, the first phase of the project and, you know, I was on top of the world. You know, I really felt like I had, had kind of found my way and kind of morphed into or came into my place, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we had, we had, we had evolved out of the farmer's market. I was very, very heavily in the West End. I had another two or three projects um, in the queue. You know, I was, um, you know, I was feeling in a really good place. And, you know, what's interesting is you flash forward and we've been through the pandemic, right? We've been yeah. through COVID. And, you know, today, you know, it's it's a different type of feeling. I'd say that you know, when I started out in corporate America, uh, you know, I really felt that I wanted to climb the corporate ladder and, um, you know, really wanted to do big things in the big city, right? I was from a small town in Minnesota. I moved to New York City. And I think that, you know, I, I was I was probably a little bit naive, but certainly very, very ambitious. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I moved up within, within the corporate um, I moved up within the corporate environment pretty quickly because I was so motivated and ambitious. And, you know, at a certain point, I thought, you know what, I'm working so hard for this company. I'm working so hard to, you know, to make all these projects successful. I think it's time for me to go out on my own. And what was interesting at the time was I really had this feeling of, you know what, times have changed. Yeah. Things are equal. Mm-hmm. You know, women, we, we can, you know, we're, we're in a different place now, right? So I had the opportunity. I had, I had an associate who was working in the oil and gas field in uh, Texas that at the time was the largest um, 
discovery of natural gas in North America. Ended up moving out here to start my business. The oil and gas naturally morphed into the real estate and had the opportunity to buy almost a block in downtown Dallas. You flash forward, that's kind of the Cliff Notes version. (laughs) That's the longer story than that. (laughs) You know, you push ahead and all of a sudden, you know, at a certain point, I started looking around and I thought, man, where, where did everybody go? <laughs> where, where, where are all the other women, right? Where, where is everybody? And I became very aware of, uh, you know, how, how lonely and how uh, few women were still around at this level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've made a very, very conscious effort to um, hire women within my organization to bring on women as contractors and vendors and give them opportunities to be at the table, to be involved in my projects. You know, I'll tell you, going through the, going through the pandemic and going through uh, COVID has been very, very hard for, um, for women. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen it with my peers as I look around. You know, I'm not married. I have no children. Um, you know, my situation's a little different. I've always been very, very career orientated and focused on that. Not that that still can't happen. <laughs> there, it's you know, it, it's it's not completely out of the cards. But today, you know, I've spent the last 20 years of my life highly focused on my career and. When I look around at some of the other women that, whether they're in construction or real estate or in finance or banking, you know, I've noticed coming out of COVID that, um, you know, things look, they look a little different. And, you know, as as much progress and as, as much as I spoke about fighting for women and our place pre covid I firmly believe even more so, more so now. I mean, I think that the pandemic has set women back almost a decade and we need to recognize that. We need to organize. We need to work very, very closely together to offer each other support to, you know, to, to keep, to keep women at the table and part of the discussion. Yeah. And how are you doing that within your company? Do you, what ways do you have to help bring more women in? You know, it's interesting because it's really the last few weeks is the, um, well, I would say the last even 45 days is the first time that we've really went back to having meetings yeah. and seeing people face to face. And, very new. you know, um, so we're still kind of figuring it all out, right? These are the, I've had some really, really honest conversations with, you know, some of the other women in my, you know, in my profession and some of the female peers, even just in the last 45 days, even actually even last week, you know, I had coffee with one last week that we were just having this exact conversation. And, mm-hmm. you know, in her particular case, she's still working from home part-time, right? Her husband has went back to work. Um, ironically, she is the she is the uh, major major income for that family, uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know. At, but her husband's went back to work. She's still trying to balance, you know, the teaching from home. She's still 
you know, trying to keep her, her, um, you know, her work intact, you know, and I think that as women, we naturally feel like we're the caregivers, right? We're the problem solvers. We take care of everybody. You know, we're at home taking care of the kids through the pandemic while we're managing our careers. And, you know, it's, this is new, this is new water to navigate. Somehow it feels like we've converted back to more, more traditional roles in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, as we get further along these next few months and people start to come back to work full time, I think we'll get a better feel for how behaviorally, mm-hmm. you know, mindset has, has, has shifted, whether we can, you know, whether we can ramp back up um, with some of, you know, with some of those efforts or, you know, there's just so many behavioral changes that have taken place um, over the, ca- over the last 12 to 15 months. So, uh, so are you concerned that there won't be as many women out there in the pool to choose from? I am. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes. And I think that um, conversations are a little different today. You know, even getting back to work myself. I mean, look, my office never really completely closed. Um, you know, we were in the middle of some projects that we just, our staffing looked a little different, right? We had some people working from home, some people working from the office, but we never completely, you know, we never completely shut down. Um, you know, there were other companies that, you know, are much, certainly much larger than us that, you know, had all their staff working at home. But, you know, coming back, um, you know, in this, in this post-COVID, you know, time, um, I, I am concerned that things are going to look a little different. And, you know, I'm doing everything I can internally just to reconnect. I mean, some of the ways that, you know, some of the ways that I'm doing this is I'm making a very targeted effort to reach out to various women that I've done projects with in the past, who I've served on committees or boards with, uh, maybe I've worked on other projects with. You know, I sat down even with my emails. I went back to, I did a little a little uh, assessment on myself, if you will, where I went back to December, January, and February of 2019 going into 2020 when everything was just felt on top of the world, right? And I sat down one day on a weekend and I spent several hours where I paced through my emails from that time period. And it was sort of like an aha moment to me because, you know, we've all had COVID brain, right? Where we kind of shovel everything to the back. And I went through all those old projects. I went through, you know, some of, some of the people that I had not thought of for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, because of, you know, what we've all been through the last year, we've been very, very disconnected. We've been very focused on what's immediately in front of us, right? Mm -hmm. So I went through and just looked at some of my old projects, you know, some of my old conversations, maybe conversations I was having in January that maybe aren't quite the same today. Maybe they look a little different, but I'm revisiting them in a different way. And I've been making a very, very conscious effort to reach out to, you know, all those individuals, a lot of them women, not all of them, but just reconnecting, I think that's super important. I know that's sort of off topic from the uh, no, it's, it's <laughs> not. construction and, and uh, construction and development. But no, I don't think it's off topic at all. You know, something I was wondering when you were talking about all of this is, yes, women have a lot of times been the ones being the caretakers during the pandemic, being the ones forced to give up their job. 
at the workplace and instead working at home or not working at all. And I'm just wondering in construction, do you think that that resume gap is going to hurt women when they try to come back to the workforce? You know, I do. I think that I think that there are a lot of women that may choose not to. Um, I think there are women who either may not choose to come back or they may come back in a different capacity. Mm-hmm. I think also there are situations where because of what was going on at home, with, you know, children being at home, schooling at home, that it made it more difficult for women to be as involved with some of the projects that were still going on. I mean, look, during the last year, I'm in Texas, right? And Texas is very pro, you know, we have a strong economy. We typically bounce back quicker from, um, you know, from whether it, whether it was 2008 or 2012, the pandemic, uh, you know, we tend to bounce back quickly, quicker in this market. Uh, We're very, very um, pro-economic development. You know, during the course of the last year, construction projects really continued at a surprisingly fast pace. If projects were already going, they continued. And, you know, I look at, at some of those projects And, you know, if you are, you know, if you are, if you were a woman who was, was at home, you know, trying to balance all this, take care of your kids and stay involved in these projects, you know, in my personal experience, you know, the, I think it was easier for, um, I think it was easier for some of the, for for, for the men to get back to business quicker you know, even attending some of these meeting project meetings and, um, you know, picking things back up, it just, you know, there were a lot of men in that room, but not a lot of women. Uh, so how it's going to unfold, you know, going back to your earlier question, I think that you're going to see some women just not return. You're going to see some women come back in a different capacity. Um, maybe not quite at the, at the number of hours or a number of projects or number or the pace that they were previously. And then I think you're going to see other women who maybe come back and find that things look a lot, look very, very different. And maybe the, even the hierarchy structure has changed, Hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, is there, is there anything that can be done as far as perception of leadership from leadership in the industry, like maybe an awareness campaign or just, you know, expanding the conversation around this so that people in leadership that I guess I, I should really say them, some of the men in leadership can look at women's resumes coming in and sort of know that they should be making an exception to the normal way that they would be reviewing a resume because it was a pandemic and things did work differently for women during the pandemic. You know, unfortunately, I think that women are going to have to work a lot harder. Um, you know, I look at and this is just, you know, I, I, I know that's probably not very politically correct to say, and it's certainly, you know, not something that I enjoy saying, but I think we are going to have to work a lot harder than our male counterparts. Well, we always have. <laughs> we, we have, we have, but even more so now. Yeah. Um, 
And unfortunately, I think that's the reality. You know, I look at, you know, my own personal experience, even the last 90 days, right? Man, I've been working my rear end off. I've been working probably at a level, even in the community. You know, I thought some of those days were behind me. Uh, I've been rolling up my sleeves and I'm out in the trenches uh, in a way that I haven't done for a few years, you know? Um, But unfortunately, you know, I'm a highly motivated individual. I love what I do and um, comes with the territory, right? But I think for, you know, women in our fields, we are, we are going to have to um, man up, if you will. <laughs> Poor choice of phrase. But... <laughs> you know, um, you know, you know, in our industry, whether it's, real estate, the oil and gas, the venture capital, you know, it's a very sensitive topic when you start getting into the whole conversation of to your male, to the, to my male peers, Hey, you need to, I need you to look out for me or, you know, Hey, I need you to make a dedicated effort here. There's sort of this weird, um, balance of how far do you push it? Right. Um, you know, certainly I've gotten the reputation for being a, you know, for being a, uh, what's the right word? Being a renegade, if you will, or someone who breaks the rules or, you know, where the reality is, if I was a man and I was saying those exact same things or, you know, working the way that I do or, you know, taking a, taking a position without asking for permission or being very aggressive to get a deal done, you know, that would be, you know, that would be something that would be taken as a positive, right? I'm a deal maker. I'm a hard negotiator. He, he knows how to get the deal done. He's strong, right? But then right. you flip the, you know, you flip the, you, you flip the role and it's a woman, right? You know, you know, we tend to not get the same type of response. So, you know, there's sort of this like balancing act with the industry and what we do and, and the, um, playing field that we're in that, you know, I push the envelope as far as I can push it. And, you know, I'm obviously very, very vocal, as you can tell, of, you know, my feelings on a lot of these, um, my position on a lot of these items. But there's this line of, okay, well, you know, the reality is often I am the only woman at the table. Um, You know, sometimes I am only the only person who's part of this conversation and I'm elbowing and trying to make room. Right. But, um, you know, there's this balancing act where I still, you know, I still am out there doing deals and out there doing bids and, you know, I, I can't completely alienate (laughs) my peers either. So there's this, you know, there's this fine balance and, I tend to go back and forth on it, right? Like sometimes I think, okay, things have really, we're at a good place. I'm going to, I'm going to pull back. And that's probably where I would say I was pre-COVID. Yeah. I thought, man, we just finished this project. I've had all these women involved with the project. They're all getting good press. They're getting other jobs. We did a whole series of the women behind the purse building. We were, you know, a finalist in real estate deal of the year, for the Dallas Business Journal, you know, I was working on getting my a tenant finalized on that project two weeks before COVID hit, and I felt, you know, I sort of took a breather, right? Like, man, 
we're in a really good place. I can just kind of breathe, step back a little, maybe not be so aggressive. <laughs> you know, now, you know, you kind of push forward and I feel differently today than I did 12 months ago. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Well, what would be the, I guess, some advice for women who are navigating the situation with having had to stay home during COVID and now they're getting back into the industry? Well, I would say my advice would be, you know, to immediately start reaching out to some of the women you've done business with before. Similar to the scenario I gave you earlier, how I went back to my Rolodex, if you will. God, that dates me, Rolodex. Um, (laughs) My email, Rolodex. And, you know, kind of reacquainted myself with, um, you know, some of the female players. You know, I would say that's a good start. You know, everybody's kind of in a different place right now, depending on who you talk to. There's a lot, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of things going on in, in people's heads. And I think step one would be getting back into the swing of things, right? To start ten, attending network events. If you're in a area where they're having social distancing or they're outdoors here in Texas, we went back to having, um, events. You know, we have a high level of population that have been vaccinated. We're doing outdoor events. We've just started having real estate events again in the last few weeks. I would say attend some events, make phone calls, um, you know, personalize even more beyond than email. You know, things were so busy pre-COVID. I tended to communicate a lot with email. I'm back to the basics, right? I'm making more phone calls. I spend a couple time, couple hours each morning just making telephone calls to people because I think the personal piece of it, even though it takes more time, it's really, really valuable and really important right now. Um, You know, I would say getting back involved with some of the organizations, some of the associations, um, being very, very conscious of some of the women that are coming up, right? Mm -hmm. We've got, um, we have an internship program here in my office. We you know, we did not really launch that last year because of COVID. You know, I'm back into that mode where we bring some um, interns into the office. Um, many of them are female. Getting them reacquainted to the industry, getting them um, interested in real estate and construction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, investing in some of the young women that are coming up. Um, education, right? Getting yourself, you know, you know re-educated on some of what's happening in the marketplace. Um, and, you know, frankly, even things like, I hate saying it, but, you know, pre-COVID, I lived in blue jeans, pre-COVID, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of have an edgy look. You know, I'm in an urban environment. I wait, I, I, have, to, I have to interrupt you because, yes, you are a bit of a fashion icon. I saw some a piece on you in the, the DCEO magazine about your, all about uh, your style. <laughs> well, you know what? I kind of thought, you know what? I played my du- I I paid my dues. I'm going to have my own thing, my own style, right? So, Absolutely. you know, I tend to kind of have an edgier look. Um, it's it's my thing. I'm in an urban environment. I can get away with that. You know, coming out of COVID, you know, even things like that, I've kind of shifted a little bit. You know, I'm back I'm back in a in a bit more of a conservative environment just because of some of the meetings I'm going to and some of the things I'm attending that maybe um, looked a little different pre-COVID. So, you know, I'm back wearing my high heels. I'm back wearing my dress pants. You know, I'm I've still got my style, 
right? But mm-hmm. I will say that I feel like I've had to step up my game a little bit mm-hmm. um, just because we've been, you know, you know, the, the back to what we were talking about earlier, it feels like the playing field has kind of shifted and it's uh, leveled off some that, you know, I'm, t- I'm, I'm taking the proper steps to, to get out there. So interesting. Well, Tanya, where can our listeners follow you or get in touch with you? Well, you can follow me on all of the social media channels. We are on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. It's Tanya, T-A-N-Y-A, middle A, Reagan, R-A-G-A-N. We also have a YouTube channel. If you'd like to check out some information on my company, Wildcat Management, we are also on all the social platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, under Wildcat Management. And our latest project, the Historic Purse Building, you'll find under Purse Building Dallas. Uh, Those are the best ways to learn a little bit more about Wildcat Management and and my company. Very cool. Well, Tanya Reagan, it looks like you've become very well-loved in Dallas for everything you're doing with the downtown area there. And we're just happy to have you here, excited to be able to share your story with the listeners in our community, the Hazard Girls. Um, So thank you so much for taking the time and we wish you the best of luck on the Purse Building Project. Can't wait to see those pictures. Thank you so much. And to all the women out there, put your construction boots on, go get your hair done and get back to work. (laughs) Let's get her done. (laughs) You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.